It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. I made it to Thursday and the crowd roars. Here's Johnny. Welcome in. Spears on Sports presented by M&M Carnage. John Spears in studio. Justin Kalen on the other side of the glass. Hello, Scooter. Woohoo! How we doing? I'm well. I'm well, thank you. Unlike Jefferson County Public Schools, Ooh. I was here on time today. What a mess. It is Thursday, August 10th. Welcome to the show. Eminem Cartage Hotline's open, 502-384-1450. 384-1450 to join in on the conversation. Or you can hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Icy cold thirst quencher. Is that what you're looking for? Well, head to Thornton's to keep your day going in the right direction. All 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. 89 cents for a ice-cold fountain drink. So come in today, grab a fountain drink from Thornton's. Hit me up on the text line, sponsored by Thornton's, 502-414-1450. This is a sports radio call-in show. I don't get a lot of callers to the uh, M&M Cartage hotline. Don't get a ton of texters to the Thornton's text line. But I get a few, maybe one or two a day, and it's great. Because we all want to talk about sports. But every once in a while, somebody does something so monumentally stupid that is not sports-related that we have to address it. Jefferson County Public Schools. First day of school yesterday. Ready to go. Kids are ready to learn. Let's have a great year. Went nice and smooth, didn't it? Oh. I was at the liquor store last night, leaning on the counter, looking out the front window. It's about 6.30, 6.40, and a school bus went by. And it was full of young children. And I thought, man, this is awful late. 6.30? Get these kids home? Had to be a sports team or something, right? No, no, no. No. You could tell. It was not. They were all in their uniforms or their their uh, pullovers or whatever. And I thought that was late. Until I saw that the last child dropped off last night was at 9.58 p.m. <sighs> How can we not, as grown-ups, as people of influence, as mentors and leaders, how can we not put children on the correct bus? Give them the right piece of paper to get on the bus that corresponds with that piece of paper. Oh, my God. No school today. Woohoo! Snow day already. <laughs> August snow day for Jefferson County Public Schools because of my favorite line here, transportation issues. These are not transportation issues. These are grown-ups failing children. And it is unacceptable. And if I'm a parent, and I look, I got a four-and-a-half-year-old grandson who may someday be getting on one of these buses. Next year. Very soon, actually. Yeah. Oh my God! How if you're the parent though that their kid got home at nine fifty eight, you didn't you didn't feel the need to do anything beforehand. Oh, you were doing something. Like these, if it got to six o'clock, all right, I'm going to were, pick my kid. They up. were contacting everybody they could looking for their child. They were riding around. You probably had one parent waiting at the at the stop and another riding around looking for the bus, <laughs> or looking for their child. More more importantly, the first thing I'm doing if I'm one of these parents is I'm contacting an attorney. And, and look, I know you're probably not going to win. It's a snafu. Things happen. But I'm getting some legal advice here. 
This should never happen. They've had an entire summer to get ready for this. It's not a lack of drivers, all right? This has nothing to do with, hey, you know, we practiced the day before. Well, maybe you ought to practice a little bit harder or take it a little more seriously. These are young people that depend on the grown-ups, depend on the school administrators. I'm not blaming the teachers here. Teachers got enough on their plate. I'm blaming administrators, whoever's responsible for getting kids on the right bus. It can't be that difficult. It can't. There are plenty of adults who want to do the right thing. Who's at fault here? Heads should roll in this situation. This is egregious. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Texter already says, chew on this. Marty Polio just got an obscene raise. I don't know if that's true, but facts are optional on this show. (laughs) And if he did, he should give it back. Because when an NFL team plays bad, guess what? The head coach gets fired. I don't care whose fault this is. This falls right at the feet of Marty Polio. $75,000 raise. Yeah, that's, you know, chump change for somebody like that. I'm going to guess he uh, voted to approve the raise himself. That's usually how these things happen. The JCPS board approved it. Yes, of course. (laughs) And they work for, yeah, they work for Marty Polio. Man's making $350,000 a year. To put kids on the wrong buses (laughs) and get them home at their bedtimes. I hope there wasn't any homework. Well, no, you got past the bread time. Well, you got an extra day to do homework now because snow day. All right, I didn't curse, Scooter. I told you to be be on the button today for this rant. Cause, Proud of you. I mean, I don't even have a dog in this fight right now, but this is just so infuriating. Man, if I'm a parent. Man, my, the terror that some of these parents had to be going through last night oh, yeah. is unimaginable to me. Unimaginable. Do better, JCPS. Come on. Do do a, I, I can't even say do a little better because it's not enough. Do a lot better. All right, sports did happen yesterday. Bats lost again, 6-3 at St. Paul. That's two losses in a row. They'll go again tonight. 807 First pitch, I'm guessing 737 pregame right here on the Big X? Correct. What is this, TBS? Are we on TBS tonight? 737 pregame with Nick Kern. Uh, The ACC merger with Cal and Stanford and maybe SMU has hit some roadblocks. Going to talk about that. Phil Mickelson's in the news. Did you see this? I did, yeah. Oh, this is going to be fun to talk about. (laughs) You know, I love to gamble. I think gambling should have been legal in 1912. And I love putting money on a game, a little slot machine, a little little, uh, Keno. Played Keno at the uh, liquor store last night on the old uh, lottery machine. While you were working? Yeah. You can do that? $5. It's $5. (laughs) Play a little Keno, a little blackjack. I love gambling. Phil, oh, he loves gambling. You think I love gambling? Phil loves gambling. So we'll get to that story. Well, he's got more money to love gambling. Yeah, his his bets and my bets are probably equitable as compared to what we both make. Yeah? 
Probably. Maybe so. I don't know. A billion in, in uh, bets? A billion? All right, we'll get to that. Michael Lorenzen threw a no-hitter last night. Scooter's mad because he's a former Red. He's mm-hmm. not a Red any longer. Um, 14th no-hitter in Philly's history. We'll talk about that. NFL is playing games tonight. Woohoo! I got the uh, spreads for you and the over-unders. Again, I love gambling. <laughs> so Miami beats the Reds yesterday 5-4. Uh, Reds had a 4-1 lead going to the eighth inning. At the same time this game was going on, Colorado had a 4-0 lead on Milwaukee. Well, neither one of these worked out to the Reds' advantage. Milwaukee came back and won 7-6 in 10 innings. The Reds give up three in the eighth, uh, three-run homer to uh, Bell in the eighth inning, and then a solo home run off of uh, Diaz to start the ninth on the first pitch of the ninth and lose 5-4. They are now two and a half games behind Milwaukee tied with the Cubs. It is a great time for an off day for the Cincinnati Reds. Can't lose if you don't play. You can't lose. Maybe Ed will be in a better mood when he comes in tomorrow because the Reds will not have lost today. Um, They travel to Pittsburgh for a three-game set this weekend. I'm at the point now, Scooter. Boy, I'm telling you what. I'm sitting there. I'm watching the game yesterday. It's 4-1. to Milwaukee's losing 4 to nothing. I'm going – I can't wait to get to the show tomorrow. Scooter's <laughs> giving up on his writ. Now I can't argue with you. No, you can't. I can, but it would be a, a hollow argument at best. It just comes down to I've seen this every year of my I life. Know, I know. I, I know what's coming. I've, I saw with the Cubs every year, and then they won a World Series. Things change. Yeah. You have that one year, that one magical year, and it's not over. All right? It's not over. It's August 10th. Boy, it feels over. Doesn't it feel over? No, oh, yeah. Thousand I mean, percent. Arizona is one thing. It's over. They all of a sudden can't score. They play. The pitching's been good. The Dodgers, nothing, nothing going to the ninth. Dodgers get two, beat Arizona two, nothing last night. They can't score. They're done. Uh, the Angels, they won last night, second win in a row, but they had just lost seven straight. They're done. And now nobody's pitching to Otani. If you're in the race... And the Giants are in the race. Last night, they're not pitching to Otani. Trout's not going to be back. He's out of the lineup. The, who's hitting behind Shohei Otani, Scooter? Who's the next batter? Rendon. Hunter Renfro. Maybe Mike Moustakis. Is Rendon healthy? Moustakis hit a three-run homer last night, by the way. And a former Red. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rendon is not healthy again. Trout's out. They're not pitching to him. Now, if you're not in a race, nobody cares. You throw him a strike, he hits it 450 feet, everybody's happy. But the Giants aren't going to pitch to him. The Giants need to win games. Anybody that needs to win games is not going to give Shohei Otani a pitch to hit. So the Angels are done. The Diamondbacks are done. The Reds are not done. But the Reds feel like they're done. They feel like they're done. Six losses in a row. Then they beat Miami, and you're going, okay, this is one of the teams you got to beat. This is one of the teams you're fighting for a playoff spot with. And you got a 4-1 lead in the eighth inning. And guess who gave up the home run? That big acquisition at the break, Sam Mole. Gives up a three-run blast. (sighs) Frustrating. It is frustrating. Just frustrating. Frustrating to watch. 
frustrating to talk about. Well, and then Diaz comes in, like you talked about. He allows the game-winning home run. First he's pitch. the he's the one guy in the bullpen you feel like you can count on, and he even let you down. I turned over to the Milwaukee game. I turned it back over, and uh, was it Sanchez or De La Cruz for uh, Miami? Whoever was was around in second base. When I turned the game back on, I went, "Oh no!" First pitch. Uh, but two and a half out. You go to Pittsburgh. Look, sweet Pittsburgh. There you go. That's all I'm saying. No chance. I wouldn't say no chance. It's still Pittsburgh. They have they have their bad moments as well. Um, in the meantime, as I look ahead, which I like to do, Milwaukee, I'm looking for a tough series here. Nope, at the White Sox. So both the Reds and Milwaukee on the road against bad teams. Um, and the Cubs, by the way, who are now a factor, they are in Toronto. So if you're a Reds fan, okay, Milwaukee at the White Sox, you're hoping the White Sox can take two out of three. Cubs at Toronto, you're thinking, look, Toronto is in the race, too, for a wild card. Maybe they beat the Cubs up a little bit. And you got to go into Pittsburgh and take care of a team that is, at this point, no longer playing for anything. All right. I'm rest done. of the schedule I'm fits, done with the rest. sits nicely, though. The rest of the schedule is good, you're saying? Yeah. I mean, it's not not terrible. You've got two series. <laughs> good and not terrible are way far apart. I mean, I don't even know what to say anymore when it comes to the way Reds. Way far apart. I mean, you got two with Pittsburgh. You got cl- yeah. two with Cleveland, Toronto, Arizona, yeah. San Fran. Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Cubs. Cleveland and Toronto are at home. Still have two series with St. Louis. Go Come to the, on. You go to the Angels and then four in Arizona? I mean, these are teams that aren't playing for anything. But again, here, here's what it all boils down to, in my opinion. Who's my starting pitcher? If it's not Andrew Abbott and it's not Ashcraft, who, by the way, pitched another terrific seven innings yesterday, mm-hmm. if it's neither one of those guys and Hunter Green's not back yet, I, I, I'm scared to run anybody out there. And the bullpen, the middle relief has not helped. It just has not helped. Need some Hunter Green in my life. Michael Lorenzen and the Phillies beat Washington 7 nothing yesterday. No hitter for the former Detroit Tiger, Michael Lorenzen. I know you thought I was going to say Cincinnati Reds, Scoots, but no. He uh, It's his second start for the Phillies since he came over from Detroit at the trade deadline. His first start at home. He's only the fifth pitcher in history to win his home debut in a no-hit fashion. 124 pitches, that's the most this season uh, for anybody. Obviously the most in a no-hitter. He joins Framber Valdez of Houston as the second pitcher to throw a no-hitter in August. And it's only August 10th today. Now, no-hitters, in my opinion, are much easier to throw now. They're not easy. There's a lot of luck involved. Lorenzen only had five strikeouts. It's not like he mowed down the Nationals. All right? And he said as much after and the he, game. He basically said, hey, they hit, it, they hit it in the right spot for me. Um, But it's still a no-hitter. No-hitters are easier these days because these guys nowadays don't care if they strike out. It, it, it used to be a blemish. If you struck out, here comes old guy Spears again. Jesus Christ, here he goes. <laughs> He's going on a rant. He's got his old man 
pants on again. It used to be if you struck out three times in a game, oh, my gosh. What's, uh, this game, come on. Put the bat on the ball. Now, if you strike out three times a game, nobody cares. You don't get any grief about it. It's okay because you were going for exit velo, launch, launch angle. You were going for all that stuff, trying to hit one out of the park. So that doesn't matter. That makes it easier for pitchers to get, get guys out. Um, first no-hitter ever against the Washington Nationals. Did you know that? I did. But not the Expos. Since 2005, when they became the Washington Nationals, it's the first no-hitter against uh, that, not franchise, but that team. Correct. Does Lorenzen still have the massive right arm and his little his left arm's tiny? Well, I think he focuses more on the on the the cabbage on top of his head. (laughs) He's got the long hair, you know. He's looking cool. Yes, he still wants everybody to know that he did not uh, magically steroidally get these arms. I worked. I work out, man. I just don't understand how you can get one arm so much bigger (laughs) than the other one. It's so weird. It's my pitching arms, the one I work out with. And he, um, you know, he wants to hit still. He was a good hitter. For a pitcher, he was a great hitter. Mm-hmm. But he was a good hitter anyway. Played, played, you remember it, Scoots. He played oh, yeah. some outfield for the Reds. Yeah. Tremendous athlete. But uh, congratulations to Michael Lorenzo. All right, we'll talk about the ACC and their travails trying to perhaps entice some Pac-12 teams and some old American athletic teams into the conference and how that's going. Uh, spoiler alert, it's not going well. And there's a new book out which says Phil Mickelson bet a lot of money. All that and more coming up. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. IHSAA. Welcome back. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio on this Thursday. High school football starts back up a week from tomorrow. Right here on the Big X, the home of the St. X Tigers. The St. X will host the Floyd Central Highlanders. Next Friday night, 7 o'clock, kickoff time. We'll be on the air about 15 minutes before that. Tony Burke and myself bringing you St. X High School football throughout the season. Texter says, Scooter, you're going to love this. And I didn't realize this, but I looked it up. It's true. Pittsburgh swept the Reds four-game series the last time the Reds went there. Yeah, I know that. That's why I'm not feeling good about this series. It's called revenge. Nah, Reds don't have that in their mindset. Well, they should have playoff possibility in their mindset. I agree. Let's go to the M&M Cartage Hotline. Bring in David on this Thursday. How are you, David? Yeah, I'm doing okay, except I'm just trying to figure the Reds out right now. It's just <laughs> because, like I said, the Reds were, for two weeks there, they were really just like, you know, just really just taking ownership or whatever, you know, basically whatever they were doing, sweeping. And now it's like, you know, teams are coming to sweep them. Now they come back to play them. Like, you know, like Washington. You know, they went to Washington and – Worn every night there, and at Washington comes to Cincinnati, and Washington, you know, does the exact same thing. Yeah, you know, when Ellie De La Cruz first came up, the Reds went on a 12-game winning streak, and everybody, oh, yeah. myself included, was on the bandwagon. 
But the pitcher, oh, yeah. pitchers mm-hmm. see film, and they have kind of figured Ellie De La Cruz out a little bit. If he gets on base, he is. Mm-hmm. It's you know a single's a double, a double's a, tri- a double's a triple. He's going to steal bases. He stole home in Milwaukee with nobody. Oh yeah, there. Milwaukee. That was that was a that was a play there, wasn't it? Where he, but they, Milwaukee they have, didn't know what to do with it. They him. have figured out how to not let him get on base. And if he doesn't get on base, this offense has been struggling. Ugh. He didn't get on base. He, yeah, he had a hit yesterday in the gap and got thrown out trying to stretch it into a double. Uh, and yeah, I, and it was. I think it was one one at the time, and I was like, "Oh, what are you doing? If you stop it first, you're Ellie De La Cruz. You're going to steal second. You don't have to yeah. take a chance like that if you're Ellie De La Cruz." Uh, but I think teams pitchers have figured him out around the league, and they've made adjustments. Now he's going to have. He's young. I mean, he, you know, he's learning. Yes, he is. But he's, he's good though. He's got potential. He's so, I mean, he's going to have to make yeah. an adjustment. He's going to have to make the next adjustment. And start getting on base again because when he gets on base, he is so disruptive to the other team that it leads yeah. to them making mistakes and he'll steal bases and all of a sudden, boom, you got a run, boom, you got a three run inning because he has disrupted what you wanted to do as a pitcher and as a defense. But as I'm long, happy that you know, I'm happy they got the off hit, today. They're in, they're in trouble. They needed an off day, David. You're right. Yes, and, and and I don't know. Do, do they have you know maybe an off day each week, or are they going to be playing every day pretty much in, uh, like for two weeks and then yeah. get it off day? Or hopefully they get they need some off day in the middle of the week. Well, that's a good question, but um, we're getting late Ugh. in the year, so I think the off days are fewer and far between. Uh, after the oh boy, well they play three with the Pirates and they're off Monday again. That's good. That's good. That'll help. And then yeah, they, if they can if they can listen. And then they play two with uh, the Guardians, and they're off Thursday again. That's good. They, 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 something's got to start breaking their way a little bit because that bullpen I know is worn out. Yeah. And you know he, he just doesn't see like like uh, David Bell. He needs to keep the pitcher. Like yesterday, he got seven. Try the eighth inning out with. Well, uh, the problem is with, the last time they did that with Ashcraft, he went seven. Uh-huh. He gave up the lead in the eighth inning. So I think the the thought process was we're not going to let that happen again. He's given us seven seven great innings. Let's get him out of there and let's. Uh, Let's let the bullpen do their job, and the bullpen. Yeah, did the bullpen. Yeah, you know, they, they started. Yeah, you know, they started it all. It all bad too. Yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. Thank you, David. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Good to hear sure. from you. Um. Yeah, and, and you know, I can I can rail about the starting pitching not getting a new a starter at the deadline. I can rail about the bullpen. I can rail because I'm not a David Bell fan. But. They've got to score runs when they have an opportunity to score runs. They've left so many guys on base lately. They went a stretch there, Scooter, where Joey Votto had the last hit in one game and 20-something at bats later, he had the first hit in the next game. Hmm. And, you know, you got to get help from some of these other guys. And, look, they're all young. Steer, McLean, Encarnacion, Strand, De La Cruz, other than Joey Votto, it's an unbelievably young lineup. And they have not been in a pennant race before, other than Joey Votto. They've not been in the pennant race before. And it's a learning process. The problem is, if you're the Cincinnati Reds, just like the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Oakland Athletics and all the small market teams, as they're called, you got to win something before these guys get to free agency. Because the great ones, 
if De La Cruz is a great one, if McLean is a great one, you're not going to be able to re-sign them because the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Mets or the Padres or the Astros are going to come in and say, how much do you want? And that's just the reality of the difference between the big market and small market teams in baseball. Without a salary cap, that's just the way it is. It's just the way it's going to be. The reason the NFL has different playoff teams every year is because they have a salary cap. NBA, same thing. There are, there are huge penalties in the NBA for going over the salary cap. But the Yankees, they don't mind paying a luxury tax fine by going over the, uh, well, perceived salary cap. It's really not if you're allowed to go over it. The Mets, Padres, they couldn't care less. We got money to burn. We will pay the luxury tax. No big deal. That's why when you hear Shohei Otani's name and where's he going to sign next year, you don't hear the Cleveland Guardians. You don't hear the Detroit Tigers. Right? You don't hear the Washington Nationals. You hear the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Padres. Dodgers. The Dodgers the and the Angels. That's what you hear because they're willing to spend the money they don't care about, uh, you know, the luxury tax. They're going to make money. All right. ACC was flirting with Cal and Stanford. And yesterday morning, for some reason, and I don't know the reason, to be honest with you, it seemed like a good idea. Hey, let's bring in Cal and Stanford 3,000 miles across the country to play some football and some basketball and some baseball and some track and field. Your definition of a good idea and mine are way different. You thought it was a good idea? No, I'm saying I didn't think it was a good idea. I thought you said you thought it was a good idea. I did. I thought, you know what? You got to get teams in this conference or you're going to be irrelevant. We are on the way to maybe three, but I'm going to say in the long run, two super conferences. And maybe they've got 30 teams each. But right now, It's ACC, uh, not ACC, excuse me. It's SEC, Big Ten, Big 12. And I give the Big 12 a lot of credit because they've been aggressive. Mm -hmm. I give them a lot of credit. Now, they may not last. They may have to merge into the other two big ones because, let's be honest, financially, the SEC and and the Big Ten are the two conferences. That's it. SEC is number one. I would say Big Ten's number two. Some people would say it's number one. It's 1A and 1B, but I'd say it's number two. But give the Big Ten credit. They now got USC in the mix. They got Oregon in the mix. They got Phil Knight money. They got the Nike money. So give them credit. They are saying, you know what? You got Texas and Oklahoma. We'll uh, we'll see see your Texas and Oklahoma, and we'll raise you UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington. But eventually, all of these Big 12 schools that are really good in football, and, and I don't know who's left that's really good in football on a, on a yearly basis, Baylor, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Kansas. I know that's not a true. They're really good in basketball. They're going to eventually, and this might be eight years down the road, Morph into these other conferences. And you're going to have an AFC and you're going to have an NFC. You're going to have an SEC and a Big Ten. They might have 25 schools. They might have 30 schools each. That's where we're headed. 
So if you want to stay relevant right now and you're the ACC, got to add some schools. Got to add some schools. I don't care if it's Cal, Stanford, SMU, who they flirted with, big market in Dallas. Bring in Boise State to the Atlantic Coast Conference. Uh, words that should never be spoken. But there you go. That's where we're at. UNLV. How about San Diego State? The old San Diego State versus Syracuse early season basketball game. Let's meet in the middle. Let's play in Tulsa. But quickly yesterday, this fell apart. This Cal Stanford to the ACC kind of is a non, non-factor at this point. Because there's no, the presidents of these universities figured out there's no financial value here. We're not adding any financial value. We are taking our rights fees and splitting it up again with more teams. If you're the University of Pittsburgh, here's our share of the pie. Now we got to take part of that and give it to Cal and part of it and give it to Stanford. Maybe take another part and give it to SMU. We don't want to do that. It became clear yesterday, 12 of the 15 university presidents, and we do include Notre Dame in this, even though they're not a football member of the ACC, they are a member in every other sport, okay? So they get a vote. 12 of 15 have to vote yes. Notre Dame was going to vote yes, by the way. Notre Dame wants Cal and Stanford for academic reasons, and for non-football reasons. And they would play Cal and Stanford every year in football, at least one of those two teams. They'll play them every year. They had a long-time relationship playing Stanford, if you remember. So Notre Dame was going to vote yes. But the league found out quickly, the commissioner found out quickly, that these pre- there is no way they're going to get 12 votes. No way. So they did not call for a vote. You only call for a vote as a commissioner if you know you're going to get the votes. And they were not. Not enough presidents willing to ratify the moves of Cal and Stanford. There is a deadline here, Scooter, by the way. The ACC, if you want to leave the ACC for next season, Next season, the 2024 season, you have until Tuesday to notify the ACC. Now, why is this relevant? Because Florida State has been very wordy. They have been very loud about not being happy in the ACC, not being happy with the TV rights contract, wanting to get more of the pie. We're Florida State. We're a football powerhouse, or at least we were at one time. We think we deserve more, and we think we can get more if we move to another conference. The question is, which conference, SEC, Big Ten, even Big 12, will open their arms to Florida State and, let's say, Clemson? And by the way, I don't think Clemson brings anything to the table except football. Clemson basketball has never been a a solid entity. No. Baseball is good, but it's baseball. It's still a non-revenue sport. It's still a non-revenue sport. These non-revenue sports are going to get killed with these mergers, by the way. Because, I mean, Washington baseball 
going to travel to New Jersey to take on Rutgers in a three-game set? Are they going to go to the Midwest to play Big Ten teams every other weekend in baseball? I guess they have to. And conversely, Penn State is going to have to go to Oregon to play every other year in baseball. So these non-revenue sports are, I mean, I understand football drives the bus and makes all the money, but these non-revenue sports are being discounted, discarded. Football can't make that much money where it makes up for all that, you know. The travel, uh, I mean, the travel costs are going to be out of control. But if you get a huge TV contract, then you can. Yeah. You can afford it. But what does that do to the, to the you know, women's lacrosse player that wants to be a student? You know, I got class here. I got, I got work I have to do. Unlike, you know, Johnny Football, who's making a, a $2 million a year in NIL. So Tuesday is the deadline. Keep that in mind. If any of these ACC schools want to get out of the conference for next season, they have to notify the ACC by Tuesday. All right, Scooter, look in your crystal ball. Does anybody tell the ACC by Tuesday we're out? We're going to fill in the blank conference? I would say Florida State. Seems like there's been a lot of movement on that Okay, who's taking them? SEC? SEC, yeah. The SEC's been remarkably quiet ever since Texas and Oklahoma came they on have, board. Yeah. Remarkably quiet. Don't think for a second that Greg Sankey, the commissioner, isn't behind the scenes talking to all of his presidents and chancellors and saying, hey, let's let's see if we can get fill in the blank. Let's see if we can get Notre Dame. Notre Dame is adamant. Let's make it worth their while. Let's see if we can bring in Florida State and Clemson. It's an automatic rivalry with Florida, Florida State, and Clemson versus South Carolina. Or maybe Miami's in the picture. We haven't heard anything about the Miami Hurricanes. That's a fairly big market. And it can't get any more southeast than Miami in the Southeastern Conference. Tuesday's the deadline. Um, And if you're the ACC... You have got to placate Florida State. You gotta, you gotta keep them in the fold here because if Florida State leaves, and or Clemson, North Carolina, Virginia, whoever, you're you're quickly going to become the Pac-12 and that model. Quickly, these things, this this Pac-12 thing happened very quickly. I know there are a lot of things going on behind the scenes. But at the end of the line, it was boom, boom, boom. Hey, we're Arizona and Arizona State. We're supposed to go to this meeting. We're not going. We're going to go to the Big 12 instead. And we're going to take Colorado and Utah with us. Hey, uh, Oregon, what are you going to do? Well, Washington and I have talked it over. We don't care about playing Oregon State anymore. They don't care about playing Washington State anymore. We're going to the Big 10. And all of a sudden, it's the Pac-4. And it felt like it was overnight. Texter says, can't wait for UCLA at Minnesota football, 9 a.m. California time next season. 20 degrees and about 75 UCLA fans in the stands. There's no way they give the nod to the East Coast time. UCLA at Minnesota, 12 o'clock. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. You're going to have to get on a plane from Los Angeles on a Thursday, get to Minneapolis, head on over to uh, the facility, 
try to get the jet lag out in two days for a noon start, which is 9 a.m. California time, on the Big Ten Network. What's our noon game on Big Ten Network this week? Washington at Rutgers. Can't wait. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Phil Mickelson in the news, and I'm not saying it's bad, but it's very interesting. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big A. Welcome back to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cardi. John Spears in studio. Final segment on this Thursday, NFL Thursday. Houston at New England tonight, 7 o'clock on NFL Network. The Texans on the road, Scooter, three-and-a-half-point favorites over Bill Belichick. I don't think that would be the spread in the regular season. Probably not. In New England, by the way. The over-under in that game, 37. By the way, the Browns-Jets Hall of Fame game went over, just in case you were wondering. It did, yeah. Barely, but it went over. Over under 37 on Houston and New England. Then 10 o'clock NFL Network as well. Minnesota and Kirk Cousins, who will not play tonight, at Seattle. Seahawks are three-and-a-half-point favorites over under 35 in that one. Is Geno going to play? Doubtful. I saw Mark Sanchez today on another show, and he said, look, the problem problem with having three games in the preseason instead of four, which is what we've had the last couple years now, is you don't you're not going to see the starters hardly at all because the third game is to figure out who you're going to cut and who you're going to keep. So those guys on the on the on the verge there get to play. First game, uh, especially the skill positions, you're trying to see who's you know who's going to break out here. You know who your starting quarterback is. Almost all of these teams. Deshaun Watson will start for Cleveland tomorrow, but Cleveland has a fourth game because they played that Hall of Fame game. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different. Uh, But there you go. NFL games all weekend. Two tonight, six tomorrow, six on Saturday, two on Sunday. And if you are looking to watch football this weekend, just turn on the NFL Network. Because from 1 p.m. Saturday until midnight, there's games on the NFL Network. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, in fact, let me tell you who's on. This is fun. It's not fun for the listener, but it's fun for me. Friday, uh, 7 o'clock, Green Bay and Cincinnati. 10 o'clock, the Broncos in Arizona. Saturday, we go 1 o'clock, Tennessee at Chicago to take on the Bears. Your Tennessee. My Titans. Four o'clock, the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, who probably won't play at Carolina. By the way, Bryce Young. Here's a question: How how much do you play Bryce Young? How much do you play C.J. Stroud? We'll find out about Stroud tonight. How much do you play, do you play Bryce Young if you're the Carolina Panthers, the rookie who's expected to be your starter? That's four o'clock, Jets Panthers. Uh, Seven o'clock Saturday, Philadelphia Eagles, Super Bowl runners up, and Baltimore Ravens. I don't think Lamar will play. And then uh, 9 o'clock, or I guess joined in progress, Chargers-Rams, the Battle of Los Angeles. I'm trying to make these exciting, the preseason football game. (laughs) 
Uh, and then Sunday, 1 o'clock, Kansas City and New Orleans. And 4 o'clock, San Francisco and the Las Vegas Raiders. At least it seems like some sense of normalcy when it comes to the NFL schedule. Whether they're preseason or not. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're still on schedule. Not like college football, I can tell you that. By the way, I got the uh, new, the latest uh, projections for the college football championship. Louisville was 80-1. to 1. Uh, Let me check the date on this. In uh, middle of June, 80 to 1 to win it all. They are now 100 to 1 to win it all. Hmm. Kentucky was 150 to 1. They are now 200 to 1. So they've gone the wrong way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Purdue stays at 300 to 1. Western Kentucky stays at 500 to 1. And. The Indiana Hoosiers, who were 1,000 to 1, are now 750 to 1. There's smart money on Indiana to win it all. <laughs> How does that happen? I don't know. That's a, surely that's that not. That could be a billion to 1. Let's surely that's not because somebody put money on Indiana at 1,000 to 1. Surely they just felt that that was a necessary line. We're not getting any money on Indiana. Let's Exactly. No, they'd make it bigger then. Oh, they true. Got, they yeah, have true. to have been getting money on Indiana. I just, it's hard to fathom. Maybe they just change it to try to get was anything it, on them. Was it Phil Mickelson? Hey, let's make it seven fifty, and maybe people will think there's a reason somebody with with knowledge is betting on Indiana, and then somebody else will bet on. Maybe I mean I don't know. Speaking of Phil, oh, there is a professional gambler, probably the best in the business. Okay, his name is Billy Walters. He is he has written a book. He has written a book about gambling. It's called Gambler Secrets from a Life of Risk. Uh, And some of the excerpts of the book have slowly, as is the case, they do it on purpose. They they put a few out here. Hey, we want to get you excited about this book. Hey, here's here's part of the book. Now it's going to make you want to read the whole thing. Well, nothing is more exciting than figuring out a celebrity or a sports hero has been betting a lot of money. Phil Mickelson, according to this book, bet more than $1 billion, Scooter, on football, basketball, baseball over a three-decade, 30-year period of time. One, as Dr. Evil would say, $1 billion. With a B. 2010 through 2014, the book alleges, Billy Walters alleges, that Phil made 858 bets of $220,000 and 1,115 bets of $110,000. That's the juice, right? Mm-hmm. You bet 220 to win 200. Yeah. He also, according to the book, tried to bet $400,000 on the on Team USA in the 2012 Ryder Cup. What do you mean try? He called Billy Walters and said, according to the book, put $400,000 on Team USA for me. On a team that Phil was playing for, by the way. He was playing in the 2012 Ryder Cup. That makes it a little little tougher to digest. Uh, By the way, USA lost that Ryder Cup. Mm, I was just looking up. Yeah, they lost that Ryder Cup. So his, at the time, friend... Billy Walters said, are you crazy? 
you are a, a hero. You're the Arnold Palmer of this generation is allegedly what he told Phil. I'm not making that bet on your behalf. I'm not going to do it. You can't do this. Trying to warn his friend, trying to help his friend here. No, don't bet on your own sport that you're playing in. No, Pete. He said. He, apparently, he said, "Have you ever heard of Pete Rose?" <laughs> don't do it. Uh, allegedly, according to the book, Phil lost approximately a hundred million dollars on gambling. Now, the question I asked right away: Why did Phil join the Live Tour? Was it gambling debts? He got $200 million just to join the Live Tour. Is he paying off debts? That seems like a stretch. Why? Why is that a stretch? Because they just, I don't know. You Phil would... says, by the way, that he hasn't bet in in a few years now, right. and he's almost a billionaire again. So you would just think if, that for what it's worth. You would think if, and, and I could be wrong here, but if someone had that much gambling debt, they would show it in the way they carry themselves. So I read this whole ESPN article. Mm-hmm. And I had to take a picture of the last couple of paragraphs because it gets very interesting. You know, you're, you're reading it and you're saying, okay, he's got the money. He bet it. Maybe mama's not happy. You know, maybe he shouldn't be betting these kind of amounts. Here's the last two paragraphs. Walters, his name is Billy Walters. Walters and Mickelson stopped their betting partnership in the spring of 2014 when it was revealed that federal authorities were looking into a series of stock trades that each of those two men made. They had a falling out after Mickelson refused to testify in an an ensuing insider trading case against Walters. In April 2017, Walters was convicted on charges of conspiracy, securities fraud, and wire fraud, sentenced to five years in federal prison. His sentence was eventually commuted by former President Donald Trump. Here's a quote from Walters from the book. Phil Mickelson, one of the most famous people in the world and a man I once considered a friend, refused to tell a simple truth that he shared with the FBI and could have kept me out of prison. I never told him I had inside information about stocks, and he knows it. All Phil had to do was publicly say it. He refused, end quote. So Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, this book that I was thinking, okay, I'm going to read this whole thing. I want to see what this is all about. Now this looks like a vendetta. Now it looks like Billy Walters saying, you hosed me, now I'm going to hose you. You could have kept me out of prison by just telling the truth, or at least what he perceives to be the truth, and you didn't do it, now I'm going to tell all your gambling secrets. That's what it looks like now to me. Just after the end of that story, if I stop reading before I get to the end there, I'm just... Excited about reading about Phil Mickelson and his gambling and all that stuff. Now I'm like, this guy's just out to get Phil. He's just out to get him. They are no longer friends. And is it true? Maybe so. Maybe it is true. But it certainly looks like a personal attack here. I mean, that still brings entertainment value for guys like you and I. It does. And you know what? Maybe I still buy the book and read it. I don't know. Good. We got to cut some commercials after the show today. We do. <sighs> you have to cut some commercials. Uh, hang on, I got to practice. La, la, <laughs> la, 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 la. I Al, might sing one of these. Al, now, brown cow. I might sing one of these, man. <laughs> you never know. All right, bats tonight, 807 first pitch, 737 pregame, third of a six-game set in St. Paul against the St. Paul Saints. 
Bats have lost the first two in the series. Ed Peak, the venerable veteran Ed Peak, joins me in studio for our Friday show tomorrow. Till then, thanks for listening. Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Spears.